Hello, and welcome to Glory Be, interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish, And I'm Mike Malcolm. Our guest today is Father David Webb. He is currently the chaplain at the University of Tulsa Newman Center here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He holds a bachelor's degree in philosophy and Catholic studies from the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota, and a Master of Divinity from the Athenaeum of Ohio, Mount St. Mary's Seminary of the West in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm sure I just butchered that. Uh, (laughs) Father Webb was ordained to the priesthood in 2017 for the Diocese of Tulsa. He has served as chaplain and theology teacher at Bishop Kelly High School and as associate pastor at Christ the King Church here in Tulsa. Welcome, Father Webb. We're so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. to have you. I practiced how to pronounce that word, and then I think I butchered it in the introduction. (laughs) So you went to seminary in uh, Ohio. So tell me, you grew up in Broken Arrow. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you go straight to the seminary? Talk about your your vocation story, how that all unfolded. Sure. So, uh, normal Catholic kid growing up in a Catholic family. Uh, we were your regular cradle Catholics, so we would go through the motions, show up five minutes late, leave five minutes early, don't pray during Mass. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, yes. Uh, <laughs> and it was just one of those things where this is what we do. Uh, our faith is something that we do on Sundays, and that's about it. We don't really pray uh, before meals. Maybe we have company and we want to look good or something, but like it's just faith is part of who we are, but it's just something that we do on Sundays for a little bit, and that's about it. And uh, just CCD on weekends and all the good things. And uh, it wasn't until I was in <clears throat> eighth grade, so uh, about 13 or so, and uh, one of my best friends, he was at school that morning and ended up going home with a headache, and when I got out of school, my mom was like, okay, uh, Alan, he's in the hospital, we need to go see him. And so we go up to see him, and it turned out he had a brain aneurysm, so the blood vessel in his brain, weak from birth or whatever, burst, and uh, he was put in drug-induced coma when he got there, and then was uh, declared dead that night. Mm-hmm. So it was... Really quick, really, really rapid, and uh, his family for for me was just. I was really close with them. We were all close. They had the kids the same age as us. We lived in the same neighborhood, same schools, same church, same friend group, uh, and they were super Catholic. <laughs> so like it's in so many ways, <laughs> and then not a little bit. <laughs> so uh, I was I always remember you know like we're we're going. Uh, on a family trip or something. And so like I ride with them and they're like, all right, we're going to pray the rosary now. And you're just like, that's a Catholic thing. I should know what that is. Right. (laughs) I know what it looks like. I'm not a prayer. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Alan would go to adoration with his mom. She had a weekly hour and they would sometimes go as a family and they would stay after mass and pray longer. And they would go to different talks and missions, different things. They were really involved in their faith. I remember thinking to myself, I don't know why this happened to them and not us. Mm-hmm. This should have been me. This should have been my family. Uh, we're, we're not the practicing ones. We, we're not, we're just going through the motions. And so I had a lot of questions and not many answers. And uh, so one day, uh, I remember Alan liked to go to Dead Theologian, Dead Theologian Society, the group we had at St. Benedict's uh, DTS for Youth, studying the lives of the saints, and they always concluded with adoration. So I went there one day and uh, I had walked in the Adoration Chapel with these questions, just like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? And uh, as soon as I walked in the chapel, there's just like this wave of peace that just sort of like washed over me. I didn't hear any voice answering my questions, mm-hmm. but 
all these burning questions just didn't need answering anymore. And mm. I was just like, I was like, I don't know what that is, but that's not just bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I started going to adoration every week. So that was towards the end of my eighth grade year. So all through high school, I started going to adoration every Friday after I signed up for a slot mm-hmm. after school. So after I get out of Broken Arrow Public School, went to South Intermediate High School. So after I got out of South, got home, I would go to adoration every Friday. And that was when I realized, I don't know how to pray, but I'm in this adoration chapel for an hour every week. So let's figure this out. Yeah. So that was really when I started praying, and huh. that led me to seminary. Wow. So you went straight, you graduated from high school, went straight to seminary. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So did you have a spiritual director? Like, who was at St. Benedict's at that time? Did it? Did you have somebody that, that said, hey, you should... This is unusual that you're coming on Fridays to a holy hour. Would you like to consider the seminary? <laughs> yeah. So growing up, we had Monsignor Gallus, uh, and then we got Father Joe Townsend. Oh, I want to say I was a sophomore in high school. Probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, right around there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we had I had both of them, uh, and, of course, a whole slew, whole slew of associate pastors. We almost had mm-hmm. one every year with Monsignor yeah. Gallus. They just cycled them through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of priests that I saw there, and uh, and I don't think I really took it too seriously. There, there are a handful of them, many of them, who are like, you should be a priest. And I was just like, no, no, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. That sounds scary. Um, and so I think one of the things was just praying and hearing people, hearing people see something in me I didn't see in myself does sort of raise a, all right, why do you see that? And why don't I see that? Mm-hmm. What, there, there's the... Something that's not matching up here. What is that? And why is that? So I think I always kind of had that question in the back of my mind. I'd go on so many visits and just be like, they're like, you need to pray for vocations. Father or Wayne Shia was uh-huh. a vocation director <laughs> partly for the time. And he's like, you guys need to pray. So I was like, okay. So I go to adoration. I'm like, God, do you want me to be married? All right, I'll try again next time. But I'm like, I'm done praying now. <laughs> it's kind of like a magic eight ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I don't get the answer I want, I'll yeah. try again later. Right. right. <laughs> so that's how I prayed for vacations when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but eventually it kind of got to that point of like, okay, I'm senior. I need to make, yeah. a, I need to make a choice. What am I going to do? So the summer before my senior year, uh, I had the privilege of going to World Youth Day in Sydney, Australia. Oh, wow. So uh, Father Brian O'Brien led the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there with, uh, well, who is now Father Sean O'Brien, um, and uh, we grew up together, and we were all hanging out together as me, now Father Sean O'Brien and Father Brian O'Brien, and we were talking, uh-huh. and he's like, so are you guys uh, thinking about a seminary? And I was like, well, I'd been on a few visits, I'd thought about it, and like I'm still kind of wrestling with it, but I hadn't really told anyone. And I look at Sean O'Brien, who I've known since we were kids, and he's like, yeah, I'm applying, and I'm like... Mm-hmm. What? What? Did you know? (laughs) So am I. Did you? No, you didn't know. Okay, all right. (laughs) So uh, we actually both did apply that year, and we're starting. We started, I was graduating high school. He was graduating uh, St. Gregory's. Mm -hmm. He was just graduating Mm -hmm. with his degree. So graduating college. So we both started seminary at the same time. Okay. Wow. That's kind of nice to go with a friend. So you don't feel like yeah. you're really jumping off the cliff all alone. <laughs> you're you're dragging a friend with you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what was that like the first month in seminary? That was uh, very very difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might go with our question down here. <laughs> We're going to ask you about. But yeah. go ahead. Yes. Right. So first first month was difficult. Yeah. So one thing I didn't talk about having weekly adoration was very helpful for me because. Uh, 
of course, Alan passed away, but then a couple of years later, uh, Ed Hobbs, a good friend of mine, another friend of mine, his dad passed away pretty suddenly. And when I was a sophomore in high school, my parents got divorced, and there was uh, a lot of turbulence in our home life with all that. My sister moved away, then brother moved away to college. So there was just a lot of changes going on at home and a lot of difficulties. And, uh, and adoration really helped have a bedrock and anchor in my life during that time. And so, equally so, when I got to seminary and I'm like, all right, uh, everyone here is uber-Catholic. They're all from like, I don't know, big families. They're all one of ten kids, and their parents have all been married for 50-plus years, and their parents have been praying for a seminary in the family for (laughs) (laughs) umpteen years. You're just like, yeah, well, my my parents are divorced, and my dad's dealing with alcoholism, and... And uh, when I told my family I was going to seminary, we had a hour, several hour long conversation on why this was a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do this. This is the <laughs> dumbest thing you could possibly do with your life. What are you doing? Uh, it was just like, I just felt like a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, like they all knew the mysteries of the rosary, and I'm like, I don't know can i I look at the book yes (laughs) is that allowed yes uh so i just i very much so felt like i just don't belong here Mm -hmm. so that was my first month in seminary right (laughs) so when did when did you start to ease into it to think okay yes god does want me here i want to be here yeah so ironically, so it was around the end of August. Yeah, I was talking with a bud and uh, a guy who's Stephen Sylvester, who's now uh, he's just a lay man, married, living down in Mobile, Alabama. He was a seminary from Mobile at the, at the time, and I was talking to him, and I was like, "Hey, I'm just feeling rough. This is just ugh, this is tricky. This whole seminary thing. I don't know if I really belong. I don't know if I want this." Um, I kind of figured when I applied, the diocese would say no, and I could just go do what I want. <laughs> They said, yes, and I'm in Minnesota. What are we doing? Right. <laughs> uh, and he was like, hey, you know what? Have you ever done this novena? And I was like, what's novena? you, you got to help you out here. He's like, it's just prayer. You pray nine days in a row. Uh, Tres la Sue. And, uh, you, you know, you do flowers. She'll give you a flower, and she'll just tell you what to do. And so I'm, I'm doing this. You should do this, too. And you do a rosary every day. And I'm like, okay, okay. As long as you give me a booklet, I think we can muddle our way through this, and I'll be okay. So I'm doing this novena, and uh, with this novena, you're, you're praying consecutively nine days at the intersection of St. Therese of Lisieux to give you guidance, give you a sign, give you a rose. She's the little flower. She's your little sister in heaven who uh, is looking out for you and praying for you and interceding. And so what happened was, uh, he's like, okay, so you just sort of do these prayers, and you do the rosary, and yeah, just pray it, and she'll send you a rose. So I was like, okay. So red, most popular rose, 99% of them are going to be red. That's got to be marriage slash get the heck out of seminary. All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're saying This to is yourself. what I'm saying yeah. to myself. So, okay, white, okay, I guess I'll stick in seminary and maybe like give this whole priesthood thing a shot. And like, yellow, because it's weird, I'll do religious life and why not. <laughs> so this is what I'd, I'd set up in my mind. I'm doing this, this novena. It's end of August, becoming September. And on September 8th, um, I was out... I realized it was like 10.30, 10.30, almost 10.45, and I hadn't done my rosary at yeah. p.m. And I was like, oh, I was about to go to bed. I was like, I better go do a rosary, and I can't go to the chapel. I'll fall asleep. So I'm going to walk around campus and do my rosary. It's like a Thursday. I'm running around, walking around campus. There's this quiet spot behind the chapel with Marion Grotto, a nice statue of Mary, World War II uh, image. So she's standing there, huge statue with a little sword that's got a rosary wrapped around it, Our Lady of Peace. Uh, she wins all things, Our Lady of Victory. 
So I was like, I'll just go back there. It'll be nice and quiet. I'll pray my rosary. So I'm praying my rosary, getting through the decades. About halfway through, and I hear someone coming, and I'm just like, keep your eyes closed. I make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> prayed, prayed. Maybe they'll just go away. <laughs> prayed, prayed. And I hear some, like, giggling, some, like, shh, 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 all, like, laughter and these different things. I'm like, what is going on? So I open my eyes. And uh, it's got to be almost 11 p.m., and there in front of me are about six nuns in white habits with white rows trying to oh launch a white rose into Mary's hands and keep it to stand. <laughs> oh my they keep gosh. on getting it there, and it falls off. They're like, sister, sister, let me try. And they're like going back and forth on who can do it the best and get it to land in the right spot so it'll stay there. Yeah. Oh <laughs> they're like, gosh. we're sorry we're disturbing your rosary, sir. <laughs> I'm like, God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, God's I having did, a great laugh over this. I did not ask for this. I mean, I guess I really did. But mm-hmm. like, yeah. Wow. yeah. That's so a that's, great, that is an amazing that, story. That was yeah. what I was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. Right. But maybe there is a reason I'm here. And maybe I just need to have a little faith and trust that there, it'll, it'll work itself out. Give it mm-hmm. some time. Wow. <laughs> it's been a month. Okay, hang in there. Well, and so now you've been ordained five years almost. Yep. We're pretty close to it. Yeah. So, uh, You've got, you've made it past that first, everything is new, you know, uh, first baptism, first wedding, first mass, all those yeah. things. First pandemic. First pandemic. <laughs> I, let's not say first, let's say but, pandemic. Yes. I don't, my lifetime, right? yeah, I don't wish a second one upon you or anybody else, but yeah. so uh, there comes a certain wisdom, mm. you know, with five years, you've done it before. There's not a whole lot of new stuff facing you down, yeah. you know, I'm sure someday being pastor or uh, being called to be, you know, a, a archbishop or something like that. Oh, that could no. be new. But for now, you know, what what separates you? How are you different as a five-year old priest, if you will, versus a, a newly ordained guy? Yeah. So I think now you do sort of get into a, a, a habit, a ritual of what works well for you and what doesn't. Um, it's interesting to see the way that you change a little bit. And it's kind of funny to me because in a lot of ways, as an individual, you don't always see it. Mm-hmm. It really is more so. Uh, I remember at Christ the King, I was, a parishioner was like, Father, man, your, your homies are just so much different than the way you used to do them. And I was like, really? Did I change? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. <laughs> what did I do different? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. But again, like it, I think it's part of it is, again, like how you come across to other people, how mm-hmm. confident and comfortable you are with it. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's a big change to go from not priest to priest and just it's – it's real quick. Yeah. <laughs> one day you are, and one day you're not. You're just like, oh, okay. Here we go. Right. Like, boom, I'm now a priest. What? Everything's different mm-hmm. now in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely that adjustment. I think you, you do grow more confident and comfortable. You're not as apprehensive about certain things. you got a lot more answers. you got a lot more wisdom. Um, so you say some things more, and you say other things a lot less. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then they put you, they assign you at the University of Tulsa Newman Center, Mm -hmm. which is uh, a great place to be. We talked beforehand. I was there many years ago. So (laughs) uh, wisdom comes from working with college students often. And uh, (laughs) like you said, sometimes you learn what to say and what not to say. Um, Talk about what is, what, talk about your ministry over there. I love the Newman Center. I love the University of Tulsa and the students. And yeah, talk about your, your work there. What do you do? So the Newman Center is a fascinating place. Uh, I've been there 
So my first first year I was assigned there, part-time Christ the King, part-time Newman Center, and as was jumbled around. It was during the pandemic. Yeah. Like it was right when things were kicking off. I was feel like I was floundering between two things, not doing either one well, just failing left and right. <laughs> yes. And now I'm full-time Newman Center and happy to be there full-time. And, and so it's been a, more of a learning scene, more of it this year. And again, it's been more alive. There's more students around, less pandemic focus than last year was. More things are open. Um, and when it comes to the, the Newman Center, it's fascinating because in some ways it just should not work. You're yeah. like, your job is to give sacraments to a group of people who, well, you can look at the data, they're leaving left and right, they're not yeah. praying, they're not interested in any of these church archaic things that you guys do. And it's like, well, actually in the past, like through three years, four years, we've had three guys join the seminary from the Newman Center here in Tulsa. Wow. Uh, one of my students just this past week was like, Father, I'm so excited. Uh, the convent I've been working with sent me the application I just got in the mail this day. Wow. <laughs> just like, uh, we are just so blessed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there are vocations. There are, we had three students apply for focused, be focused missionaries yeah. next year, all from TU. Uh, there's just this great, they've been fed in such a way and called in certain ways that they're just feeling this, this need to give out, this need to evangelize, and this need to... Uh, explore a vocation that is, again, just crazy and, mm-hmm. and so out there and so missionary. And I just love how there is something happening there. Again, it's a smaller university. We, you know, we're about three, 3,000 or so undergrad. It used to be close to four. And, uh, yeah, so things are a bit smaller there than a normal university. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's more money. It's more uh, privatized. It's much more focused on the academics. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, they really do experience some goodness there. And they really mm-hmm. do experience a, a call to learn more about those things that transcend, that they don't understand. And mm-hmm. it's just beautiful to be there and witness that and be able to help facilitate some of those things. Have you been able to, like, are you back to Tuesday lunches and back to any Bible studies or service trips? Or what? What is what does go on over there? Yes, we have Tuesday lunch uh, every week. Um, we're doing Tuesday, uh, Sunday dinner with catechesis. Uh, we're doing, we do mass Monday to Friday, um, daily masses. We do noon, 5.15 and then 9 p.m. and then 5.15 to noon. So like stair step it. And then, uh, confessions before the Wednesday, confessions before the both Sunday masses. Sunday masses are at 11 and that's 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, through, throughout the school year. So, I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've been adding adoration. So, nice. uh. Last year, we started kicking off this thing where we're like, you know, these kids are like to pray. We should do more adoration. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so we started doing morning adoration. We always did adoration Thursday, uh, 9 to 9. And now we're doing uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're doing 9 to 10 a.m. as well, adding more. Just So there's adoration going on every day in the morning from 9 to 10 a.m., which is just great for the kids. And, man, to look around some mornings and just be like, I'm in an adoration chapel on a college campus with only about 3,000 undergrads. And... And there's like 15 students yeah. right in here with me. <laughs> well, and if you have uh, a problem where you have to expand the schedule, you know, how, what's the secret? How how do you get college students to pray like that? <laughs> I mean, it's not you cracking the whip. Yeah, no. It's God <laughs> calling them, I'm sure. But how does that work? I think if they experience that it is fruitful, yeah. they'll desire more of it. And I think that's that's just what it boils down to is, again, you got to have exposure. You have to have understanding. You have to understand what to do. When I first started doing adoration, uh, 
when I was in eighth grade, I didn't know what to do. I would just fall asleep half the time. Mm-hmm. Other times I'd think about a computer game or just yeah. like, I don't know, <laughs> think about a homework yeah. or other things. And, uh, and what happened, what changed was I, I talked to Carol Bryan. She was a DRE at the time, and she gave me this book, this diary of St. Maria Faustina. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is a hefty book. I don't know if I want to get through this. But I started reading it, and I realized she's just talking with God. And she's like, oh, Jesus, this happened today. This sister said this thing, and I felt really bad, and I responded the way I shouldn't, and I just didn't know what to do. And then Jesus said to her, I love you more than these things. And I love her so much that you should recognize and realize why you acted in that way and just like my love for her is greater than all these other things and just like it's beautiful to see how they just dialogue mm-hmm. and god shows her things and it's like oh that's how you pray hmm. yeah <laughs> like there's another person there hmm. <laughs> and so i think understanding and believing and understanding more about the true presence and understanding how to dialogue how, mm-hmm. to, how to pray Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just such an important part of understanding how to make adoration fruitful. Yeah. If you're just having a monologue for an hour, yep, that won't last long. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, right. this is a great transition because our second part of our podcast is <laughs> it's interesting people and how they pray. I'd love to, uh, we could put the name of that book, Absolutely. like a link in our show notes. Yep. Cause I love that idea of dialogue with God. Of course I've heard of sister Faustina, but I don't think I've, I know I haven't read the book, so um, is that a big part of uh, how you pray? Do you dialogue? Talk about how you pray. What does a day in the life of praying with Father Webb look like? So, uh, being a priest, we do the liturgy of the hours. So I do invitatory, office readings, morning prayer, daytime prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. So we're praying the Psalms. Uh, Again, it's ancient tradition. goes back to the Jewish custom of praying all 150 Psalms every week. Um, they did that for a while in the church yeah. <laughs> with lab bravery, and now we're on to a four-week cycle where we cover all 150 in every four weeks. Um, and, uh, and again, like the monastics, some of them I think still do it all 151 yeah. weeks. But like, yeah, for the for the diocesans, the secular clerics. Yeah. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> every four weeks we get through them all. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll get there, guys. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a way to sanctify your day. So you start with office of readings and morning prayer, and then you do daytime prayer and midday, and then you do evening prayer later, and then you do night prayer before you go to bed. And you're, it's, the goal is to constantly remind yourself, all right, I've done this, now go back to prayer. I've done this, now go back to prayer. I've done this, now go back to prayer. Because if ever you're doing something and not going back to prayer, <laughs> right? what are you doing? Right. <laughs> That's not God's work. That's not your work. That's not what you're called to do. That's not why you're here. That's not why you have life and you have in whom we live and move and have our being. That's there for a reason. What is that? Go back and pray. Figure that out. Mm. So that is the number one source of my prayer. Um, Again, having the freedom to be at the Newman Center uh, and doing more adoration. We've been able, I've been able to do more adoration myself, but just add those times back in. Um, When I was in seminary, it was, it was beautiful. One of the things I loved most uh, was in Minnesota. I had the freedom to do nine holy hours a week on a regular oh, wow. basis. It was just like, because we do one every day, and then I had a few extras because we had an adoration chapel on campus, and I helped out with that. But like, uh, it would be hard-pressed to try and find nine holy hours right. today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but right. it was beautiful that I had the time for that. And mm-hmm. one of the things I love about being at the Newman Center is I, I do have time for yeah. that, and I it was struggling to fit that in during Christ the King and and it's nice to have that again. Yeah. 
Um, so again, do adoration. Uh, again, when we have adoration over at the Newman Center, I'd usually stay in there for that hour if I can help it. Um, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and on Thursday as well. Um, so yeah, that's the general prayer yeah. structure that I have going. Of course, Mass, prepping for Mass, figuring out what I'm going to preach on, um, prepping Mass uh, homilies for the weekends. Wow. Yep. That's a, a very fruitful prayer life that's yeah. amazing that's great that you've carved out that time because exactly what you said if we're not going back to prayer then it's we've had some priests talk about when we ask this question that i'm about to ask you um when we ask them what's the most difficult time but the most difficult have they ever had a difficult time praying they will often talk about prepping for a, a homily becomes work instead of prayer um, a few people have said that. And then other people talk, you know, maybe there's been an event or a dryness. Uh, has there been a time in your life when you found it difficult to pray? I don't know if there's really been, like, a period where it was difficult to pray. I think it, it uh, you can get very busy and you get distracted very easily. Um, but I've, I've usually almost always been blessed with uh, fruitfulness in prayer. And part of it is also just understanding of... Um, I think part of it was because in seminary I did up to nine hours, uh, the, yeah. nine holy hours. But I mean, that was during my college seminary. Once like things moved on, once I got a major seminary, mm-hmm. we weren't where I was not doing near. I was not doing nine a week. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it was one of those things where I realized more and more so, if I only have five minutes to pray instead of sixty, if I give those five minutes to God, I honestly do believe that they can be as fruitful as God needs and wants them to be. And I think with that sort of understanding, it became less about, all right, is it five minutes or is it 60 minutes? Like, uh, it's irrelevant if it's honestly giving and receiving just openness to, like, God, what do you want this time to be? What do you want me to receive during this time? And I I really did uh, just love that mentality and that spirituality of just, like, it's his. It's time with him. It's not, like, am I checking this box or not? Mm-hmm. which was a huge temptation, especially in seminary where it's like, we do this, and then you go home for break, and you're like, do I need to do this? Did I do 55? Am I cheating? Like, right. what is this? This right. is silly. Like, why am I, well, that's not the point of this, right? Um, and so I really do think that I, I grew a lot with that. Um, but yeah, as far as like dryness and those sorts of things, uh, there are periods where like, okay, I used to use Faustina's diary, and then I stopped with that because I stopped being as useful, as mm-hmm. fruitful. Mm-hmm. So then you'd have other periods where it's just like, okay, now I just feel drawn to just uh, pray the rosary. So like rope prayer, I love that. That's great. And then, you know, eventually that kind of runs its course, and it's like, okay, now I just want to read Old Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, that awareness so, when something yeah. is drawing your heart. I mean, God kind of leads us in our, what we should be praying, what what draws us closer to him. So. Yeah. Um, well, this has been just a great podcast. This is I great. Think, uh, yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of things that are going to be helpful for my own prayer life. So we always ask our guests to, if you have one thing you'd like to ask everyone in the world to pray for, one prayer intention, what would that be? Mm. I remember a long, long time ago when I was in seminary, uh, I was still kicking around whether I'd be a priest or not, and uh, I went to this this uh, healing service thing, and they were praying with us and praying intercession and different things. And the one thing that kept coming back to me was this notion of, like, why why do you want to be a priest? Why does God want you to be a priest? What What is the purpose for that? And the one thing I kept being drawn to was this notion of, like, I'd be like, God, why do you want me to be a priest? And he's just like, I want you to liberate my children. I want freedom. 
And I think so many times uh, the sins, devil, the world seeks to just like bind us and constrict us and limit us. And it's beautiful to understand like what does grace really do but freeing us from those constraints. True freedom, being like being fully God's, being able to forgive yourself fully, not being bound by anything else, is the, just the greatest gift. So I think that, that gift of freedom mm-hmm. is just a beautiful liberation, liberation of God's children from the things that bind them. And praying for a loosening of those bonds is just uh, the one thing that I just love, I've got a heart for. Mm. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, would you, let's pray for that. Would you lead us in a glory be? Let's do it. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you, Father Webb. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. (laughs) Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.